This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scardino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors, all 4,000 members of that association. And each week we have a, a different guest here to provide our listeners with real facts, real stats about our local market. As we all always say, it might be... It's different in Michigan, New Jersey, Florida, um, but what's happening right here, that's what really matters if you're a homeowner, a seller, a buyer, or dreaming about home ownership. It's what's local that matters. So to help me with that today, we have a guest, and that's Vasily Sotaropoulos. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going, Don? Very good. Glad you're here. And... Um, Vasily has been a very active realtor uh, for the last five years with Hyatt Real Estate, but I understand you have a new title. <laughs> That's right. I'm now a broker associate at Hyatt Real Estate. Would you explain to us what broker associate means? Absolutely. Does it mean you're smarter? It, it does. It does. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it means that you've uh, you know um, received a new license as a broker but I still hang that broker's license at Hyatt Real Estate under Tom uh, Hyatt. Okay, so you're associated with an, another broker, Correct. but you have the ability to be your own broker. Uh, yeah, yeah, and actually Tom Hyatt, uh, from the very beginning, encouraged me to get that license so that I would have the freedom and control of my own future if you know that day ever came. Yeah, yeah, um, I got me one of those too. <laughs> Congratulations, Don. <laughs> yeah. It. it um, made me feel good now here, here's a funny thing i learned the hard way uh-huh so what uh when i took my real estate sales license i was still in college at fresno state so i'm used to studying right uh-huh and so i studied for the test and you had to get i think it was 70 percent right mm -hmm. it's a three-hour test after about an hour and a half it's like <laughs> i know i got this nailed yeah. i got it and sure enough, you know, I finished in like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, turned it in, and, and I passed. They don't tell you what your score is. Right. All right. Eight years later, I go to get my broker's exam. I'm no longer in school, so I'm not great at studying anymore. Mm -hmm. And I didn't study. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I ended up with the highest known score in the history of real estate. Now, here's why the key word there is known. Because once you pass, they don't tell you what you got. Uh huh. So I got a 74, and I'm thinking, well, that means I should have passed. It's more than 70. Mm -hmm. For a broker license, you got to have 75%. 75, that's right. So I missed by one. Oh, should have studied. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Finally, what I did is to make myself study, mm -hmm. I signed up for the test in Sacramento so that I wouldn't be you know, uh, distracted by work or whatever here in Fresno. Sure. Went and got a hotel two days ahead of time, studied. That time I passed. Good, good. <laughs> All right. It, it's the, the older you get, the harder it is to study for sure. And, you know, make the information stick. It yeah. changes a little bit. All right. Um, you're just as old as I am, right? Yeah, 
Plus, plus or minus. Plus or minus a couple years. All right. Which is a good lead-in to the statistics we're about to do. <laughs> because statistics are just numbers that you throw a story at. Yeah. So let's throw a few of them out there. Okay, let's I go am for it. Go- I'm going to do one and start off with this. Mm-hmm. That um, selling price, or excuse me, the median sales price of homes mm-hmm. is up 16% from... Uh, um, August of 2021 compared to August of 2020. So in that one year, the median sales price went up 16%. Mm -hmm. Now that's for Fresno County, Mm -hmm. and that's single family homes, condos, and PUDs. Right. So is that what you're seeing out there too? You know what, it is. Year over year, actually I pulled some data myself Mm -hmm. and uh, I took average sales price uh, one year ago, August was 348, and that's not for Fresno County, but for Fresno and Clovis, the cities. Uh, whereas this year, August was 400, so just a little over 15 percent, like you said, for the whole mm. county, 16 percent. Mm. So, I mean, I'd take 15 percent year over year on my money any day. Yeah, great investment. And most of those buyers seem to be owner occupants, so. Not only did they make a great return on their investment, mm-hmm. but they got to use the place too. Yeah, yeah. So you're not paying rent out of pocket, and then you have a lot of uh, tax incentives to owning your own home as well. Mm-hmm. So right, we'll, we'll get into the tax incentives a little bit later in the hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like how you came well prepared. So we're <laughs> going to have a, a, a good show today. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought out a good point. How we each independently pulled stats and they we did different parameters i mm-hmm. did fresno county you did fresno clovis mm-hmm. um and so when you hear different numbers it will that, that's why it's different parameters sure so sure now i i love this statistic and the number of homes that sold year over year mm-hmm. so I heard the market slowing. Uh, uh, yeah. So in 2020, we had 867 sales. Okay. For Fresno County. And this is how much it slowed down. This year, 864. <laughs> Three houses different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Still humming right along, right? Yeah. I guess that means we went from 100 miles an hour down to 99. Mm hmm. We're still flying. Market's still red hot. Uh, maybe not quite as hot as it was a few months ago. Uh, another metric I like to look at, I love the numbers. I love Excel. I love breaking everything down. Um, oh, you're I, one of those? One of those. <laughs> one of those guys. Uh, another thing you can look at is uh, inventory. So while you're saying, okay, same amount of homes sold, but it's the rate at which they're selling. So you look at inventory. How many months of inventory are on the market? And we haven't had in Fresno and Clovis over one month of inventory for the last 12 months consecutive. So right now, uh, August, 0.9 months. So there's just um, not enough active listings to, uh, to meet the buyer demand right now. So you're seeing it still move very, very quickly. Shouldn't that be an incentive for sellers to, or people who are thinking of selling to, put their home on the market? Oh, absolutely. And every scenario is different. Every person's, uh, you know, home or investment is different. But uh, 
if you'd been thinking about it, it's an excellent time to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you're uh, going to move up, move mm-hmm. down, or uh, I heard a great term. That's called right-sizing. Yeah. <laughs> rather than downsizing or uh-huh. upsizing. So you're right-sizing, whether you're doing that or you just want to move out of the state or move uh, to a different county, mm-hmm. wh- wherever, uh, great time to do it. And some people say, ah, but, you know, I, I hate to buy when the market's high, but you're also selling while the market's high. Right. So you're getting a premium for that first property. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you are right-sizing to a smaller home, you're going you're gonna to get a premium for that larger home and then get into your, uh, you know, your more efficient home, uh, st- you know, still at a good time in the market. I like that one. You don't mind if I steal that from you, that more efficient home. I love efficiency, yeah. Okay. If you hear that next week on the radio, <laughs> you, all the listeners are going to know it came from Vasily, not actually me. All good. No royalties necessary. Hey, you weren't going to get one anyways. <laughs> all right. What what else are you seeing out there, Vasily? Uh, another thing I like to look at is the average days on market. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Idea of how quickly homes are selling. It's also, you know, when you sit down for a listing appointment, you consult your clients. It's important to set the expectations uh, accurately so you can tell them, hey, most homes are selling within 13 days. Average days on market right now is only 13 in Fresno and Clovis. So if you're not seeing the action you want within the first week to two weeks, you might know that adjustments uh, may need to be made. So it's important to know what the market's doing. And right now we're seeing homes really fly off the shelf in 13 days on average. Yeah. That's another good reason to sell. Because mm-hmm. I remember back when it took 90 to 120 days for the average home to sell. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know for sure that it was going to sell. Right. But now you know that it can sell. So you can make that move. Yes. And that's important. Um, and you better have the boxes ready to pack too, yeah. Because it's uh, might be sooner than you think. But not packed while you're marketing the home. <laughs> exactly. We want it. We want it to uh, to be staged nicely, of course. Right. Um, I went into a home about a month ago, and they had boxes everywhere. And they said, "We want to sell right away. You know, c- can we get it on the market this week?" So, well, how fast can you move the boxes? Mm-hmm. Can't we market it like this? Mm, not. We probably won't get top dollar yeah. that way. It, it, the home still has to look good. So when you said after 13 days you get, or two weeks, you got to make some adjustments, mm-hmm. it's not always price. Not always. Sometimes it's how the home looks and how it's presented. Right, right. So, you know, sometimes uh, people leave the thermostat too high. People walk in from 110 degree heat looking for a nice cool home where they feel welcomed when they walk in and then it's hot in the home you know yeah that's one simple thing i tell my clients keep that thermostat low make sure people feel great when they walk in okay so here we are in september no one's going to believe this but the worst one of all uh-huh. is in the middle of winter mm-hmm. when you walk into a home where the heater's not on yeah and, and uh it's freezing inside. Yeah. That, that's even worse than a hot home. Yeah. And then people wonder, does the heater work? Why wouldn't they have it on? You know, you want to make sure it's very welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. 
Speaking of welcoming, we are mm-hmm. going to our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome Home Radio, where we finally got it right. We have the music from September during the month of September. Nailed it. Yeah. Usually we have September on in July. (laughs) But we got it right this time. Thanks, Bobby. You're doing all right. (laughs) All right. So my guest today is Vasily Sotaropoulos. Boy, that name sounds familiar from somewhere. Is there somebody in your family that uh, is a little famous? (laughs) I don't know about that, but yeah, my dad, Kopi, has been on the air here in Fresno for, I don't know, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Now, does that grate you like it does my son when somebody says to my son, oh, is Don your dad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When I was younger, you know, maybe a little bit, but now, yeah, it's awesome. It's <laughs> cool right. that people uh, recognize it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. I like him. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. I think so, too. So let's talk about the opportunities out there right now for first-time homebuyers. Okay. And I want to throw start it off with a statistic. All right. There are, well, somewhere here, let me see, 750 active listings in Fresno County. Mm-hmm. That's 750 opportunities for a first-time buyer. That's correct. Eh, that's a, a way to look at it. The competition's out there. Sure. But there's a one-month inventory. We're not negative like we are. We were last year with toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, so many things have shortages. Mm-hmm. So the opportunities are there for first-time homebuyers. How do they go about claiming that opportunity? Right. Uh, you know, the first thing you have to do is get pre-approved with the lender. Uh, a lot of times, taking that first step can be difficult. It can be a daunting thing. How do I start? Uh, reach out to a realtor or a lender just to get the ball rolling. Sometimes people think, oh, I need 20% down. I don't have 50,000, 60,000 to buy a house. Well, you don't necessarily need that much down. If you qualify for a VA loan, if you're an active military or a veteran, you could qualify 0%, or, you know, zero down payment. FHA as low as 3.5% and conventional sometimes, depending on credit, income, assets, et cetera, could be as low as 3%. So it's really not as daunting as you think. Work on your credit, pay off some debts, uh, and save. Once you're there, it's easy. How about these people that say, well, um, I don't know about my credit score because I went online and or or got one of those free credit things, Mm -hmm. and I got bad credit. So is that necessarily true? I mean, should they still see a lender? Absolutely. There are a lot of different things lenders can do. They can be flexible on credit score. You can qualify maybe better with an FHA as opposed to a conventional. And these lenders are also going to have pointers and tips to help you improve your score rapidly. So Mm -hmm. the point is, don't be intimidated. Reach out and start working on it. I like that because... A credit score is not something you are. It's just something you are that day. Mm-hmm. You can change it, and you can move it upwards. Yeah. Maybe a good uh, moral for life there. Hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where I pulled that one from, yeah. Vasily. Very good. <laughs> it's, um, okay. What about 
Is there a rule of thumb or something somebody should think about for income? Like uh, one third of your income can go towards a house payment or? Right, right, in order to qualify. So you'd like to be about at that one third mark of your, your monthly mortgage to, to income ratio. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do people have to, like when it comes to saving up for a down payment, mm-hmm. what, what are some tips there? Yeah, slow and steady could win the race, you know. Uh, maybe you start socking away X amount per month. Maybe you take your uh, tax return. If you get a refund, put that toward it. Uh, you know, a lot of times I see uh, clients that get a gift from a family member. Uh, that's also, you know, a, a way that a lot of parents help their kids get started. Okay, so a gift will work, and, and yeah. you don't have to hide that from the lender? No, you know what? You, you do have to get a letter, a notarized letter that says, hey, these funds are a gift and don't have to be paid back. There's no interest or any, any consequence associated with the gift. So, yeah, that, that works. Yeah. All right. And the reason for that notarized letter mm-hmm. is the lender has to make sure that they go in first position on title. So right. technically if that gift was really not a gift, but it was a loan, mm-hmm. technically it becomes in fir- it comes in first place ahead of the lender. Right. And the lenders don't want to lend <laughs> 97% of the money and be second fiddle. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't work out. Yeah. Um, here's another tip that I just thought of off the fly. Mm-hmm. So many people go in and talk to the lender and say, pre-qualify, see if I pre-qualify and they pick an arbitrary number, like Mm $300,000. Well, kind of everybody's doing that. Why not set yourself apart, ask the lender, how much do I pre-qualify for? Mm -hmm. What if they said 310,000? Well, now you now have a leg up on all those other people that just have an arbitrary number of 300,000 out there. Right. Right. So yeah, see what you max qualify for. And then what I like to tell clients is get a breakdown of what your monthly payment would be. So that's principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, PITI. So you can kind of pick how much you want your monthly payment to be based on the purchase price. Mm-hmm. Great. Here's another tip for saving. Uh-huh. So let's say you go in and you re- realize, okay, even though we're paying $1,000 a month in rent right now, mm-hmm. we know we can afford 1500 and that's uh, per month, and that's the, the amount that um, we're, we're gonna buy in that range. Mm-hmm. While you're renting and, and looking for the home, start making the $1,500 a month payment. Ooh, I like that one. Oh, you know where I'm going with this. Uh-huh. Pay the $1,000 to the landlord, Pay the other $500 to yourself in your savings account. Yeah. So now you're getting used to $1,500 and it's like, hey, hey, we could do this. You know what? We could even do $1,600. <laughs> it's a mindset thing. Once you start put, you know, putting it away, you're like, where else can I pull it from? Do it, you know, the value of the dollar starts uh, coming into play on every time you spend, every coffee you go out and buy, dinners, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a mistake I made many, many years ago. <laughs> So, and it's that fear of that payment. Mm-hmm. So this is way back when I was looking at a couple of different homes. The four bedroom home was about $5,000 more than 
the three-bedroom home. Mm-hmm. Well, because I was afraid of the payment, mm-hmm. bought the three-bedroom home. Next thing you know, we needed a four-bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now we had to go out and buy a, a different home yeah. just like four years later. Mm. Um, it's okay because as a... Uh, and we'll get into this later on investing, I still have that three-bedroom home mm-hmm. as an investment rental now. Nice. So why should a first-time home buyer get into the market? Or should they wait for the proverbial crash when the bubble bursts, the world falls apart? <laughs> you know, uh, if you're going to buy a home and it's going to be a long-term investment, I don't think there's a bad time to get in. Tom, my, uh, my broker, Tom Hyatt, whenever, whenever he says, what's the best time to buy real estate? He says, 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you get in, you start paying your, your, your monthly payments, you're not paying rent, you have tax incentives to being there. And as long as you weren't planning on selling it in three years, if the market were to dip in three years or a year, whatever it is, you, you know, you're not caught shorthanded. Uh, it's a good investment. And the great thing about real estate is time really matters. Mm-hmm. So when I bought my first rental home, mm-hmm. I paid $44,000 for it. And for the first couple of years, I'm looking back saying, why did I buy this thing at the top of the market? Mm-hmm. Well, I still own that one. And today it's worth probably three forty-four. And, and, and so Maybe I did pay a thousand or two thousand too much for it, mm-hmm. but time healed it. Yeah, the appreciation over the long term is uh, is one of the best benefits of real estate, especially mm. in the state of California. Yeah, yeah. So, you when you get the opportunity to work with a first time home buyer, where where do you start, and what kind of encouragement do you give them? Yeah. You know, right now it's about setting expectations and making sure they understand what the market is doing. Uh, and then I'm work, currently working with one, and he's like, "Well, do I buy in this area for this price? You know, I'm not I'm not really sure which way I should go." And I said, "Hey, you know what? You could buy here uh, for this price, or you could spend fifty thousand more on the purchase price, but be in a better school district, probably have better appreciation." And he's like, "But it's fifty thousand more. I don't know." Well, if you're paying 20% down, it's really out of pocket only 10,000 more. With 15% year over year appreciation, you're going to make that up in months. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, we're kind of uh, reconfiguring strategy and just looking at all the options. But I would say, you know, advice for a first time buyer make, try not to make a, a short term decision look at the big picture and make uh, the decision that's best for you and your family over the long term. Something I like to tell people, and this comes from the my ex- personal experiences mm-hmm. in the few decades that I've been involved in this. A couple, yeah. Yeah, times two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but And that is find a home that works for you now, mm-hmm. but will also work for you for the next five years mm-hmm. and maybe 10 years. And here's my thinking. Because uh, I've seen ups and downs in the market. And like I admitted, I bought at the top of the market before. But let's say you bought a home in 2005. The, that was the top of the market then. Mm-hmm. But you had to sell it in two years because it wasn't big enough. Yeah. Well, you weren't going to do too well. Mm-hmm. 
um, if you had to sell it in five years, you, you lost your option. So buy something where you have the option to stay, the option to sell. Mm -hmm. uh, it, now, if you kept it 10 years by 2015, you did good. You'd be all right, yeah. Even though you bought in 2005, top of the market, mm -hmm. you did good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if you had a fully amortized loan where the loan balance goes down, mm -hmm. rather than some of those adjustables where they had negative amortization and it went up, you, your equity grew. Yeah, yeah, be it did. Yeah, so in those 10 years, you did good. Mm-hmm. Vasily, with that, we're going to go to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And today to help out, we have Vasily Sotaropoulos of Hyatt Real Estate, a broker associate there and uh, a very active member of our association. Tends a lot of meetings. Mm -hmm. You learn a lot of things. And I think you're learning a lot about investing in real estate. That's right. Especially with that broker you're associated with. Uh-huh. Boy, he's always pointing his finger at me, giving me <laughs> investment advice. Yeah. Like, I told you not to sell that place. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's a big, um, you know, uh, proponent, and he's always encouraging everyone in the office to invest. And, and not just your office. He encourages <laughs> everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. He really believes in it. Yeah, it's awesome. And I know Tom Hyatt's listening today. So uh, thank you, Tom, for all the uh, good tips and advice you've given to so many people over the years. Absolutely. So what are some of the nuggets that you've stolen from Tom Hyatt? What, what, why, what are the benefits of investing in real estate? Uh, there's so many. And we ended the last segment with first time buyers and owner occupied homes. So let's start, let's start there. If you're just buying your first home, it's not just a roof over your head, it's, it's an investment. Uh, so we talked about the appreciation over, you know, over a year, two years, five years, 30. Um, another thing you get with your personal home is you get to write off the interest. And on a fully amortized 30-year loan, it's heavily front-loaded with interest. So you're getting a big tax break there. You get to write off your property taxes as well. And I don't know about you, but when COVID started and, we, you know, all the offices were shut down, my home office went from one room in the house to one room in the house, plus the dining room, plus a little bit of the living room. So you're able to write off your home office uh, based on like a percentage of the square footage of the home. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot you can do um, just as your personal residence as an investment. Um, if, if it's a secondary property, if it's a home that uh, you're renting out, uh, you get the appreciation long-term. Uh, you also get uh, the depreciation of the asset over time. So how does that work, Don? You want me to say it? I, I uh, will. Uh, no, no. It's so uh, you take um, the, uh, the value of the improvement, so the structure or the building that's on the land, and then you divide the value of that structure by 27 and a half years, and that's how uh, much you can lower your taxable exposure year over year, in addition to writing off the interest and the taxes 
and anything else you put in to improve the property. So on a, for example, a, uh, a property where the structure, not the land, just the structure is worth 275,000, uh, you get to lower your taxable liability by $10,000 every year. But, but, but here's the advice. Let's hear so it. So you get to depreciate. So you're going to pay less taxes mm-hmm. um, each year for 27 and a half years. Mm-hmm. But it's a wise thing to do to save that money because the reason you're depreciating it is, let's say, for example, the whole idea behind depreciation is in 27 and a half years, you're going to need a new roof. Sure. A, n- a new water heater. Mm-hmm. Just this week, I had to buy a new water heater and have it installed for a rental home. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was in the cost of that exceeded the rental income for the month. Mm -hmm. So you got to save some money too, if you're going to be in the investment game. You have to have a cash reserve uh, because air conditioners do not go out in the winter. And uh, if it's 110 degrees, you better have the ability to put that in for your tenant immediately. I found out air conditioners always go out on a Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when the plumbing gets backed up too. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't it happen on a Tuesday morning Uh, or something? I don't know. Just bad luck, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I had a tenant one time saying, why is it that everything breaks on a Sunday? Mm Mm-hmm. Come to find out, the guy works six days a week. That's the day he's home. (laughs) That's the day off. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Maybe it did break on Tuesday. He just didn't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk, I mean, there's gotta be some great benefits. How about- Let, uh, Let's go for a second back to owner-occupied home. Let's say it's your, you know, your primary residence, your first big investment, and for a lot of people, their largest investment they'll ever make. When, if it's owner-occupied, when you sell that home, the, the appreciation you get over time when you sell it uh, the capital, the, the gain on that, you can get $500,000 tax-free when you sell that money or when you sell that home. Uh, it's actually 250000 per person on title. So if you have a uh, married couple, buys a home, lives there for a number of years and sells it, whatever money they make up to 500000 tax-free in your pocket. That's okay. a deal. That is a great deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when they say that only the the wealthiest get the tax breaks. Hey, there's one for every homeowner. Yeah, and it's going five hundred thousand is a lot of money because if you bought the home originally for three hundred thousand, mm-hmm. let's say you sold it ten years later for eight hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not saying prices are going to sure. go up that much, sure. but if it did, that's tax free money. Yeah. So in ten years, your loan balance maybe went from three hundred thousand. Oh, well, you added down payment. So let's say you're at two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. You actually, and then that appreciation, you got six hundred thousand in your hand, mm-hmm. tax free. Yeah, you go take a nice little trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pay off some credit cards. You know, uh, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, whatever it is. Yeah, right. Um, or even buy a replacement property because you want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, ride that next appreciation train. Um, here's another benefit of investing in okay. real estate, and that is it is the visible investment. Mm-hmm. I put money into a IRA and annuities, mm-hmm. and I don't really see it. Sure. Um, but I can drive by my rental homes. Yeah. 
or, or, or the home I'm living in and say, okay, hey, things are doing good here. Or, uh, boy, the lawn's dying on this one. Something's not right. I better get that corrected. Mm-hmm. So it's a tangible asset. It's mm-hmm. something you can see, you can touch, and uh, as compared to a, a stock certificate, or you know, these days it's like an email of a stock certificate. You know, it's 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 there's a little more security in real estate, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever there's rewards, there's risk. Oh, absolutely. So, what are some of the risks involved in investing in real estate? Uh, you could have issues with tenants um, who may fall on hard times or may stop paying the mortgage or the rent, which could hinder your ability to pay the mortgage. So there's a big liability, um, not just in your monthly payments, but I mean, let's say uh, somebody trips and falls on a property, somebody gets hurt. Uh, there are a lot of things that could come back around uh, that could cost you know, a lot of money and be very big risk. Mm-hmm. And you're also responsible for a home mm-hmm. that somebody else is occupying. Sure. So here, here's an obvious one. Um, you don't know that they're changing that air filter regularly. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden the air conditioner dies after only 12 years. That's a little premature for it to go out, but you didn't really have control of that. Mm-hmm. Now, more and more people are doing uh, or owners are doing regular inspections yep probably not a bad idea mm-hmm. check out that air filter sure i mean after all you the owner are the one responsible for that uh, air conditioner that's gagging from mm-hmm. that dirty air filter yeah it's only 20 bucks but it could cost you t- you know ten thousand when the the furnace goes out yeah right um all right uh other risks are some of the new regulations Mm -hmm. that are out there right there's an eviction moratorium right now Mm -hmm. so if somebody played the or if somebody just didn't pay you still have the responsibility to fix that water heater that went out yeah and yet you had no income yeah that that puts a, a financial strain Uh, on the investor, a big risk. Mm -hmm. So you have to be in a good position to invest in real estate. Um, And and that doesn't mean you have to be rich, Mm -hmm. but it means you have to be wise with your money. Right. And you hope that it does cash flow a little bit. So you can take some of that and and put it away for that rainy day. Uh, I remember when you and I first met, you told me about some of, you know, how you got started in investing. Did those properties cash flow back then? No. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like at the beginning and what was the, what's the payoff? Well, interest rates were so high back then, 12%, uh-huh. uh, that negative cash flow was norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually for the first 10 years, the, rent, the rents weren't high enough to cover the higher interest rates. Mm-hmm. So anybody who says I didn't earn my way, <laughs> I've got something to tell you. All right. <laughs> Be- because... Here's what was normal, and I think this is the story I told you. Mm-hmm. A, a typical rental back then, I might have $500 a month income, mm-hmm. but my payment was 700 a month. Yeah. So I had $200 a month negative cash flow. It does not sound like a wise investment. 
Well, but when you bought it, forty-four thousand or fifty thousand, <laughs> and now it's worth this. Yeah, it turned out good. Yeah, sure did. And I don't think that's any different from maybe putting away a couple hundred dollars a month to a four hundred one k or some other investment vehicle. Uh, just went for you in that time into real estate. Right. It, it was like a forced savings account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to do it. <laughs> Got to pay it. Yeah. And then I remember the first recession that I experienced mm-hmm. in, in the early 80s when interest rates really, really jumped. Uh, I thought, oh, my God, I'm in over my head. Yeah. I got all, I got five alligators that are just. Need to be fed. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad I made it through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tightened my belt buckle and, and made it through. And, and now I still have those homes or the residual from those homes. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean by the residual from those homes is the 1031s. Absolutely. T- tell us what 1031s can do. Well, it's a uh, it's an investment tool to defer the taxes on a piece of property by selling it and purchasing another property. And uh, the way you do that, there, there is a process and you have to have a qualified intermediary that facilitates this transaction. You're not allowed to touch any of the funds from the sale. If you touch it, it becomes taxable. Now, uh, what you'll do is you'll sell a, uh, an investment property and your clock starts ticking. There are time requirements with the 1031 exchange. You have 45 days to identify up to three replacement properties or uh, as many replacement properties uh, as you want as long as the aggregate total of those properties doesn't exceed 200 percent of the subject property you're selling so you have 45 days to identify and then from the 45 days another 135 to close on one of those properties but with how quickly things are moving i'd say identify it asap and close at ASAP because uh, if if average days on market, like we said, is only 12, 13 days, by the time you identify it, it's probably going to be sold to somebody else if you don't close quickly. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, and that is a good tool um, because sometimes you have an, I'll use the example of an older property that maybe doesn't fit your, your style anymore. Mm-hmm. And by style, I mean your ability to keep it up, uh, but it, it's it's a jewel for someone else. Yeah. Well, you can sell that, move that investment to a different property, and defer the the taxes. Exactly. You're still going to pay the taxes. Right. Um, Not today, though. But yeah, right. So that's that's a great tool. Mm-hmm. Now there's another tool out there called the DST. Tell us what that is. Uh, the Delaware Statutory Trust. So it's, uh, so l- let's say you have a client that uh, has had it being a landlord and they're done and they wanna sell the property but they don't wanna pay capital gains. Well, you can um, use the 1031 exchange to sell your property, not pay capital gains and then buy a share, a portion of this, uh, of a Delaware Statutory Trust, DST. Um, and the, the Delaware Statutory Trust is a portfolio of real estate. So there might be 20 grocery stores in one portfolio that are owned and you can buy your portion of it 
you get uh, you know a, a predetermined uh, percentage uh, of income. You still get the depreciation of the asset and the appreciation long term of the um, of the properties. So that makes a little bit of sense. So maybe uh, you're older, you're tired of the property management. Mm -hmm. So now you're buying into a portfolio where there's another manager. Right. To handle it. One one last question before we go to our commercial break. Okay. Do these properties have to be in Delaware? (laughs) (laughs) Very very good question, Don. No, they don't. They can be in California. We better go to our commercial break now. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and Vasily Sadaropoulos is here with us today from Hyatt Real Estate. And we're talking about those homes that built us, whether it be owner-occupant or investment. Um, but homes have sure been a big part of my life, and mm-hmm. I'm sure yours too. Yeah. E- even you go back and you think about your childhood home. Mm. You know, running around the backyard with your siblings and uh, and your friends, and it, it, it's a good feeling. It is. It is. And if I can tell a quick story, you said, you know, childhood, and um, my grandfather immigrated, my dad, uh, to America from Greece mm-hmm. and saved. We still have his little uh, bank account savings book. Wow. Saved a little, saved a little, saved a little, and was able to buy a home, and we still have that home. Ah, and great. so it's, yeah, kind of a constant reminder to, you know, to save, spend responsibly and, and invest in your next generation. I kind of have a similar story. So we, um, our family home, the one I grew up in from eighth grade or no, eight years old on mm-hmm. up, um, my sister still owns it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And so it's just really neat to, mm-hmm. uh, to think about that place and all the good times. And yeah. Yeah, the friends coming over, <laughs> Cli- climbing the the big almond tree. Yeah, sneaking out when you were a teenager, getting back in. How, hey, you did, were, how did you know I did that? Nah, you were a good kid, Don, I bet. Yeah, oh, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to get to that home nowadays, buyers and sellers go through a process called escrow. Mm-hmm. Tell us what escrow is and how does it happen? Right, so... You know, when you're a first-time buyer, you've never been through the process, you say, okay, they accepted our offer, we opened escrow. I've had the question many times, well, what's what's escrow? Well, escrow is a neutral third party that facilitates the sale of the property. And they can only act upon the mutually agreed-upon instructions of the buyer and the seller. So... Um, they're going to adhere to a number of deadlines and rules that are predetermined and written in the purchase contract. Uh, things like by day three, the earnest money deposit has to be into, uh, into escrow, uh, things like that. And another thing I hear, after escrow has closed and my buyer has purchased the property, they get their mortgage statement. And they say, okay, principal, interest, you know, they're looking at the line items of what they're paying. And then there's another line item that says escrow. And they call and say, hey, Vasily, I thought we closed escrow. And on my mortgage statement here, it says I'm, I'm paying for escrow. Well, there's 
a difference, you know, when you open escrow for the sale of the property and the property closes, that escrow is closed. Now, escrow in this scenario on your mortgage statement is basically a, a, a separate account where you're paying monthly your, uh, your insurance, your, proper, your uh, property insurance, and your taxes. And then your lender will then disperse those funds annually to the insurance provider and, uh, you know, for the taxes. So don't confuse escrow of the sale with escrow on your mortgage statement. So it's one word, but two different meanings. There you go. Yeah. See, the English language is not perfect. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) We have too many examples of that, even though I can't think of another one right now, but um, of uh, two meanings, but one word. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I got another example of why we need escrow. Okay. So let's say I'm going to sell my car to you today. Okay. And we determine a price. Okay. Um, Am I going to give you the pink slip first, or are you going to give me the cash first? And and let's say I don't really (laughs) know you. So w- there's no trust, you know. Yeah, no I was going to say, trust. you're a trustworthy guy. I'd give you the cash first. But no, if <laughs> if it's um, if it's Joe Schmo, you don't know this person, that's a predicament. Do I give you the money without the pink slip? Are you going to run off? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Same with the home, your biggest investment. Or another question, how about if I hand you the pink slip, but it's not signed by the lien holder? Uh, it's an imperfect title. It's no longer yours. So there's a break in the chain of title. We call that in real estate. Mm -hmm. So another thing escrow is going to do, you're right, is check the title to make sure that the person who currently owns the home and is selling it is the legal um, lien holder, or I'm sorry, um, deed holder of this home. They have all the rights associated with it to hypothecate, not to get back into the studying for the exam uh, terms, but yeah, to give you the the home. Mm-hmm. So really, really important to do an escrow mm-hmm. on a real estate transaction, especially if you're spending a quarter million or half million dollars, mm-hmm. you wanna make sure you're actually receiving what you, you think you're getting. Oh, it's very important, yeah. yeah. And in escrow, they also do, a, they hire out to their title department or a title company mm-hmm. to search the title right. and make sure that you do have clear and free title. Yeah. And that's very important. There's also title insurance that's usually paid by the seller. God forbid, should anything have gone wrong with that? And you find out one day that there was a break in the chain of title. There's an issue, but uh, I've never seen it. Have you seen it in all your years of yeah. Uh, real estate? Yeah. You have? But but it's been many years ago. Okay. Um, a buyer called me up, said he got a notice from IRS that, um, that there's a lien on the property. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't his, it was the prior owner. Mm-hmm. He was really worried. I said, don't worry, let's just take that letter to the title company. Title company was great. They said, want you to know, don't worry about it. We insured you, you're taken care of. Mm-hmm. And um, the title company had to deal with it. They probably had to pay it. Right. Or maybe they put, some, <laughs> maybe they sent their maybe. negotiators in there yeah. to uh, negotiate on taxes. But right, the lawyers, yeah. I did have another one. Oh, here's a strange one. Okay. The it was up in the foothills of eastern Madera County, where the records aren't quite so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Anyway, somebody had built a home and their dining room encroached onto the neighboring property hmm. by 10 feet. Okay. So, uh, yeah. They, so now they don't have perfect title, but the title insurance company said, don't worry about it. Um, we're going to take care of it. And smart what they did. That lot that they were encroaching on uh -huh. was for sale for $10,000. They bought the lot mm -hmm. for 10, the title company did. They yeah. bought it for $10,000, paid the seller what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And then they did a lot line adjustment. Around the dining room. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Smart. And, yeah. And, and, and now they had... Now they had a free and clear property that was vacant land. Mm -hmm. Instead of being one acre, it was nine-tenths of an acre. So mm -hmm. the value didn't really go down much. Yeah. But it, it showed what they were able to do. Yeah, that's that's a creative solution there. Yeah. I, that impressed me with their creativeness. But the most impressive thing is they told the client, don't mm -hmm. worry, we, we've got you covered. Nice. Kind of like uh, the Allstate commercials. Yeah. You know, we got you covered. <laughs> Or something like that, yeah. Um, in one minute or less, uh -huh. give us a little information on solar. Owned, solar. leased. Uh, it, it can be a hurdle in escrow. Uh, there are three different kinds to look out for. You have owned solar, which is usually the best. Uh, there's a power purchase agreement, which um, you agree to pay a certain amount per kilowatt to the solar company that's produced. Or a lease where you just pay for the equipment to be on, your, uh, on the home. Either okay. way, the PPA and the lease has to be assumed by the buyer or paid off in full. And um, if you're going to put solar on your home, for me, I would say own the solar because you get 26% of the cost of the system back in tax credit. Whereas if you go with a lease or a PPA, you don't get that money back, the company does. So 26% tax credit. Um, but then also, would you say appraisers are going to give a little more value? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, similar to a swimming pool where uh, you don't get all of the value in resale. So you usually get about 25% of the item's value back in resale value. So a $40,000 um, uh, solar system will get you another, depending on the size, of course, another 10000 in resale. Okay, 20 seconds or less. Okay. Give us your best real estate advice. Buy now. That only took two seconds. Okay. <laughs> You're good, Vasily. All right. Thank you very much for showing up today and uh, helping us with our show and helping our listeners to learn more about real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, tune in every week to Welcome Home Radio. Next week, we're going to be talking about win-win negotiating. So awesome. Tune, tune in. in to that one. Thank you to all our listeners and be back next week.